Stump's fucked it. He, he's put. He, he's probably like started the timer on on them getting rid of him now. Like officially, it was going to happen at some point. Obviously, we've always been saying that, but the way he's pissed off everyone in the last forty hours or so is incredible. Yeah, yeah lot, great. there's a lot of centrists and right wingers who'd been either tentatively or full throatedly supporting him, and now not. His whole I'm going to unify the Labour Party thing. And that now they're doing like polls on is the Labour Party more or less united? And it's like 20 less points united, ahead. Less united plus 20%. Like, yes, he's got that <laughs> 20 point lead he was after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Oh, good. I'm glad I've got the MP3 Skype recording going. I'll tag that little bit along with the Take rest it. of the episode. I'll put that as a bit before yeah. the intro or something. Right. Take a heart of stone, wouldn't it? Not to sympathise with, with poor Keir Starmer. Yeah, I, I'll work out how to edit around the bit where I basically say I hope the Tories win the next election. <laughs> <laughs> what, like I say, though, Labour unity is dead as a concept. The Labour right killed it. It is fucking dead in the water. While yeah. we remain in a two-party system, I'm afraid <laughs> those are our options. I'm afraid that is the nature of the hard left, and you're going to yeah. fucking find that out in the next few years, lads. <laughs> supporting the government, supporting the conservatives, I'm afraid <laughs> it's the hard left. <laughs> it does just come true. It does Chris sound was... like I'm, I'm. Yeah, fuck off and join the Tories. Chris <laughs> Lesley was a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I am. I, um... No, I, I definitely, it, it, it definitely sounds like we're setting the stage to go all, all Giles Fraser here, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted Tory policies, I'd vote Tory. Mate, if, Please if, vote Tory this election. <laughs> you can get some of that unheard money, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giles Fraser, come on our podcast. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> weird, weird guy. Hey, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> opposing the, the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. Well, we know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right to right wing. The hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard left, the 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 hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, 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 hard
looked after the initial Corbyn thing and then the US election. And I, I just got, after the US election, I got a bit depressed that, that, <laughs> British, that British, that Donald Trump hadn't won a massive majority. That was what I was depressed about. No, I was, I was, I got, I got depressed that British people were offering all their banal, asinine takes on US politics. I mean, While also trying to shut down any actual critical analysis, like it's not a complete unambiguous good yeah. we've got. President, you know? And it's not that we didn't offer our own banal, uninformed, asinine takes on US politics, because we did in spades. We did plenty of that. I'm sure me yeah. and the will return to it soon, uh, you know, hopefully with Geraint on board. But at the same time, we were hammering home the Corbyn issue. And I was just seeing people, you know, using our platforms to just do, oh, well, Donald Trump, you know, just Donald Trump's bad, Biden's not that good, you know, stuff with obvious stuff little insight i overstretched myself in the week around for election and the initial corbyn suspension and i wanted to keep just like hammering the corbyn point after that but yeah i don't know i got i got a bit worn out but now they've thankfully understandable starmer's inflamed the issue afresh so we um what we recorded previously uh, has been rendered redundant so I don't really have to edit it. Uh, not, enti- <laughs> not entirely redundant. I will still try and get some of it out, but it's been rendered uh, dated because there's been new shit has come to light in the parlance of the Big Lebowski. There have been further developments, particularly yesterday and today. So, um, Geraint, what's been happening? What's been happening? Well, there was great celebration yesterday when the panel decided, the NEC panel decided to allow uh, Mr. Jeremy Corbyn back into the the Labour Party. Mm. And there was obviously some quite funny meltdowns towards the Labour leadership from every wing of the party about what an entire waste of time that was. What was the point of that? And here, Starmer seems to have responded to that by having probably his most spectacular public meltdown of, of his entire life. I, I can't think of a better way to describe it. He's he's done it looks like a sort of sandwich between a couple of very angry Twitter threads. The first time on his professional accounts, he's shown a shred of human emotion. He's trying <laughs> to sort of be the person that Owen Smith was pretending not to be usually on there. Between those two ranting threads, he's not given Jeremy Corbyn back the whip and seems to be either not wanting to full stop or, I guess, implied wants further concessions from Corbyn to allow him back in. Uh, a bit of grovelling, I, I would imagine. Although but, it, um... it should be said that apparently people close to Corbyn, at the very least it's being reported, were in discussion with people close to Starmer, including Morgan McSweeney from the leader's <laughs> office, for a long time. And it seems very much like Corbyn's statement he put out in advance of his readmittance to the party Yep. was something that had been discussed with mm-hmm. Starmer's leadership. This is a pattern. This is a pattern now, yeah. Yeah, agree in a statement with the leadership and then them fucking the person that's then put out the statement. Yeah, well, apparently uh, it, it was after Starmer. Rebecca Long-Bailey. Yeah. happened as well with the immediate reaction to the report. Well, uh, and allegedly, in the case of Corbyn's initial suspension, I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah, yeah, there's been about 20 different 
completely contradictory version. This of is that. the slick. Mostly spin all operation. from Starmer's office. Yeah, the yeah. slick spin operation of Keir Starmer, where everyone has a clear yeah. idea what he, what he's doing and why he's doing it. If only we get these amateurs like Seamus Mill now. You know, we get a proper slick operation that understands how the media works, <laughs> unlike Seamus Mill. So at, at the moment, he's got his party membership back, and he's not got the whip back. And that doesn't make sense or abide by the Labour rules, really, as they're written. Corbyn's former advisor and, and friend of the show, James Schneider, has very publicly claimed that he should now automatically have the whip back. Yeah. That uh, in fact, he, he lost the whip. Or, or, and this next bit is, is, is undisputed. He, he lost the whip because he was suspended from the party. Yeah. If you are suspended from the party, you cannot keep the whip. That's happened to all sorts of MPs in all sorts of circumstances, but those processes are linked. Yeah. That's been heard, and it's been unanimous, even the two right-wingers on the panel. Um, I believe, I think it was three people who could be considered not to be on the left, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, five no, person I would panel. say that, but I would say... Two right-wingers, yeah. Two you're prob- on the right of the party, you're, if that makes You're probably sense. right there, yeah. Yeah, so it did come out very shortly after it was announced. He was admitted that that was actually a unanimous vote. Yeah, um, it's been claimed that it was like a stitch up by the Corbynite hard left establishment, yeah. which is just not borne out by the facts in any way. Um, furthermore, Aaron Bastardi is now reporting that a source close to the General Secretary's office claims that the official who picked the NEC panel was Alexander Barros Curtis. Mm-hmm. Now, is Alexander Barros Curtis, note the double barrel name, close to Starmer? Yes, he was the data controller for his leadership campaign. <laughs> so some stitch up this is. Yeah, great stitch up that. But well, um, I mean, it is a stitch up for the whole thing, but not in the yeah. way, not not for left doing the stitching. Well, an interesting subplot of this is that what Starmer's done since that's happened, since they voted five nil to let him back in, is he's kind of shitting all over the NEC as the NEC is slowly coming back towards his full control. He's risking alienating them and a lot of what you'd call, I suppose, the true moderates on it, as in the sort of people who are way to our right, but not like Yellow Gakers types. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the people on that five-person panel, there's been a lot of controversy here from various sides in terms of who leaked that panel and the composition of that panel and why did they leak it. And one of possibly the most right-wing person on, on the panel, uh, Gurinder Singh Josan, part of the same ticket as Luke Akehurst, who was also elected just in this most recent round, posted a very angry thread about it's not right that people are leaking the composition of, of these sort of panels to journalists, in this case, as it's going on. Wasn't the uh, journalist Lee Harpin as well? <laughs> the, well, he was the first person, I believe, to report the full panel, so the, someone was certainly leaking to him. The most shameless, dishonest journalist in the country, possibly, yeah. against some pretty Hello. stiff competition. A convicted phone hacker and serial liar. If he's spending an hour or so sweating, looking at his phone, waiting for his insiders to text him what's happening in this meeting, it's an hour he's not spending, sweatily watching his phone, scrolling through the ancient social media history of left-wing women when they were about a third or a quarter of his age at the time. Oh, that's a sexually explicit one. Oh, it wasn't even sexually explicit. I've seen way more sexually explicit tweets. It was literally a joke. It was like, haha, all politicians are whores jokes. It wasn't even what he framed it as. What an arsehole. He's just a creepy man. It was a complete non-secretary in the context of his own article as well, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. Let's just say, this is Gemma 
Bolton, who was recently elected to the NEC, yeah. I'm pleased to have voted for. My vote may have been one of the ones discounted, but I certainly tried to vote for her. <laughs> I, I went all the way through and voted just so that I could vote Luke Akerst number 46 or whatever the, the bottom <laughs> of was. I literally preferenced the 25 bad ones as least worst. Well, they started kicking out all the people who'd cancelled their direct debit to the party, but they couldn't get through the list because so many fucking people yeah. had left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I cancelled it long, long ago, so I shouldn't have got a ballot in the first yeah, place, right, as I yeah. understand it. But I did, and I voted, fuck you, Keir Starmer, fuck you, Luke Akers. But, 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 uh, I, I will never retire. Exactly, but I just wanted to say, Gemma Bolton said absolutely nothing wrong. There's no reason that anyone should be shamed in a, not really a community newspaper, because it seemed, the Jewish Chronicle seems to primarily function as a national organ for bashing the left and Palestinian rights activists, but in what is effectively a national publication, she should not be shamed for making an innocuous joke and for correctly calling out the appalling apartheid system in Israel and Palestine. It's an intimidation tactic. They wanted yeah. to row back publicly tone down her views and say, oh, I support Palestinian rights, but I regret some of these comments because they know then that they can then intimidate her for an entire term on the NEC. She's got absolutely and also nothing put to off other people on the sort of path she's travelled to get onto the NEC from putting themselves forward, from being vocal about the causes they believe in. It is pure right-wing intimidation. Well, and it is of... a, an attempt to move the goalposts on the debate when you're winning. Exactly. Know? And speaking of right-wing intimidation, one activist on the Labour right, Louisa Atfield, compiled a spreadsheet of mm. members of the NEC. I think it was just the left-wing ones who were listed as having conflicts of interest but yeah it was basically oh, no, she, she did list some people like luke akerst as being sort of too factional to have interest but she also linked okay. them as like a moderate right. the three factions in labor were the hard left Woodward Corbyn or something and moderates, you know? Uh, okay, um, well, well There the... is no Labour right. <laughs> Nonetheless, she had this spreadsheet with all the people on the NEC and their yeah. respective crimes, but where it <laughs> fell apart was that I think maybe one out of five on the people who were actually on the panel she had ascribed a conflict of interest to, which in itself didn't hold up. So it's just like, yeah. okay, how is this relevant to the particular case at hand? In addition to it being, uh, you know, just a, another bizarre intimidation it, tactic it's uh, also like the criteria was like anyone who'd worked with corbyn in any capacity that's a conflict of interest well, that's, um, isn't it? The, you... the man was the leader of the labor party for five years and she was classing <laughs> anyone who'd ever had any sort of front bench position or bps position <laughs> star morale hashtag so, yeah. star morale <laughs> it included a lot of people who'd Worked with Corbyn for six months and then very publicly quit on like live TV to try and fuck him over and, and this sort of thing. They cannot possibly vote on it. It's, that... it's, it's McCarthyism, isn't it? Is it is, totally. It's... You saw that with the disgusting smears yeah. of Lara McNeil and Jess Barnard when they won, respectively, the Chair of Young Labour position and the Youth NEC position. Two great young activists. Lara is <laughs> someone who like puts in a shitload of time into Labour politics while like you know being a key worker in the NHS. Well, yeah, and yeah, you get these... Say, like, there, there aren't that many hours in the day to do what she does, and she yeah. still fucking manages it super consistently. And you, you know? get these sick melt fucks saying stuff like, "Oh, if I turned up to a, ho if I was injured and turned up to hospital, and she was, was she a doctor? She's yeah, a doctor, she's yeah. a doctor. But if I turned up and she was the doctor, I, I would refuse treatment. And I'm like, and you would deserve that horrible death for doing yeah. so, you fucking you're freaks. So you, you're essentially an NOLS equivalent of these people who." 
who turn up to the hospital and then have a tantrum because it's a first-generation immigrant doctor. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't want him to treat me. He doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, but do you want, do you want to die? Is, is your prejudice that, that powerful? Yeah, it is absolute bullshit. And you saw, like, I mentioned Jess Barnard getting similar smears because obviously Lara, the line is that basically she's complicit in anti-Semitism because A, she supported Corbyn. B, some convoluted thing about somebody on the committee tweeted out Asa Wynne Stanley saying Palestine lives or something, which probably wasn't Lara. And C, she supported Corbyn. Like, that's it. That's the case. And then you get to Jess Barnard. The case is even flimsier. It's, uh, but she said something like, it's good that Corbyn has been readmitted to the party. We need to unite and implement the recommendations of the EHRC report. And you have the usual cry bullies in the comment, just like, uh, are you aware, Jess, that you're not making people feel safe in the party with this? I'm just like, literally, fuck you. You don't believe what you're saying. You, You literally do not. This is not a sincere intervention from you. You can't help but notice that out of young Labour political figures, the young women tend to get the worst of it yeah. from the centrist danger dad side of things in particular. Obviously, there's a few overlapping factions at play there, but there is a creepiness about some of it. There is an obsession with the young women that are getting involved with that. It's the same sort of people who then look at people like Diane Abbott and then make sort of crap jokes that they later blame on tape about her past relationships and stuff like that, you know? Mm, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there are a couple of factors that seem to provoke Starmer into rescinding... Well, sorry, not not rescinding his return to the Parliamentary Party, but, yeah, preventing, rather, because it was never quite offered back unless, of course, you believe... I, I You know, I trust James Starmer. Sorry, James Starmer. James <laughs> Big Schneider. Jimmy Starmer. He, he was... He was pro- I think James Snyder was probably right to say that Corbyn, given that he was removed as an MP because he was removed as a member, his reinstatement as a member should be his reinstatement as an MP. Starmer apparently was provoked to deny Corbyn his membership by a couple of things. So firstly, um, he was apparently angered by tweets. So this is very Donald Trump of Keith. He's just on Twitter scrolling and getting pissed off. I um, really hope he is on Twitter searching his name frequently because that must be a fucking experience for him. He, he has to do... The last six months. He has to name search like in all different ways. He has he just has to try Keith with an I before the E. Keith with an... Uh, spelt correctly. Kia spelt correctly. Kia spelt incorrectly. <laughs> all, yeah. the, all, the, all the formulas. But... We, need, we need to get it eventually to the point where it's like the Jobity Kerbloop spelling you know oh you mean you mean senator john cornyn (laughs) will you resign senator john cornyn anyway so apparently he was angered by tweets sent by people regarded as corbyn outriders that suggested that corbyn had been exonerated so that's tweets such as matt's cousins corbyn is back baby (laughs) that starmer was apparently incensed by Um, (laughs) given I, I, i hope so much that that is true who even counts as a corbyn outrider at this point like like I half of them... a, 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 anyone that's not a hundred percent fully on board with Starmer and bear in mind that even fucking Paul Mason and co have broken ranks with him over this oh yeah of course yeah I love Bastani's response to Mason which was just like shamey uh he hasn't listened to you since he became leader isn't it <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe Paul Mason's lacked an understanding of Starmer's strategy from a, a Marxist perspective there, or whatever <laughs> the fuck it was. 
Yeah, but uh, obviously, uh, so Starmer was pissed off because he saw some uh, some bad takes. He was fuming at Matt Zarb's patented centrist piss boiling. But at the same time, I think he was really spooked by the sheer strength of right-wing, excuse the pun, reaction. I mean, there was uh, just straight up, just absolutely, <laughs> absurdly intense stuff. Like, letting Corbyn back in shows that Starmer is not committed to combating anti-Semitism. And we got to draw a line in the sand and, uh, at this point and just say, if this is about an institutional problem, then this fixation on just persecuting this one man is, mm. is just the, like the least productive thing of all time. And anyone pouring gasoline on the flames by validating this vicious campaign of personal vilification and harassment against Jeremy Corbyn, it's just not serious. No. It's about pressing home the advantage. It's about making Corbyn not just, you know, you know, lost popularity compared with 2017 already. There wasn't as quite as much of an appetite for a hard left Labour leader. But they want to drive home that advantage. They want to make him such a toxic figure that it salts the earth and prevents any left movement growing in the short to medium term at all. They want the next person who runs as Rebecca Long Bailey did to be tainted by association. They want any generation of younger Labour politicians coming through to be tainted by association. Mm -hmm. They want anything that ends up developing out with the Labour Party from a hard left political perspective to be tainted by association. That's what it's about. Anti-Semitism is a tool they're using because of the various attack lines they used between 2015 and 2017. That's the one that stuck. Left anti-Semitism does exist and that allowed them to portray a real issue as if it was an issue unique to the left and new in the era of Corbyn's leadership, neither of which is remotely true. Yeah. The goal, you can see by how unserious they are about both anti-Semitism from any other direction and about various other forms of bigotry, the incredibly disgracefully muted reaction from the Labour leadership and from the Labour supporters in the media to the report published about four or five days ago, wasn't it, about um, Islamophobia in in the Labour Party. I've got mutuals on Twitter that contributed to that with their experiences. It's very upsetting to hear about that, just as it is with Jewish comrades who faced bigotry themselves. It is something that needs to be taken seriously, and what it got was a reply from Angela Rayner deep into a Twitter thread saying, yeah, this is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Sending pathetic, the deputy it? along to do it. It's, it's, really, it's fucking And in risible. a really half-assed, muted way that they hope journalists don't notice, you know? Yeah, it's fucking... that They might get written up as friends of the Muslims in the Daily Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now the media are almost obliged because there is to such a sense of dissatisfaction among Muslim voters towards the Labour Party that it is starting to get reported on just a little bit. Not on Labour anti-Semitism scales, but enough to give Keith a little headache. One of the major factors, I think, that contributed to Starmer's decision to deny Corbyn the whip, we were talking about the sheer strength of right-wing backlash. Margaret Hodge apparently spoke to Starmer and um, was the one who convinced him that he should not let Corbyn back in the party. This is this has now been reported. She tweeted at the time, I simply cannot comprehend why it is acceptable for Corbyn to be a Labour MP if he thinks anti-Semitism is exaggerated and a political attack, refuses to apologise, never takes responsibility for his actions and rejects the findings of the EHRC report. And I believe there's some lies about laying reefs for terrorists and stuff elsewhere. Not in that thread, but elsewhere. Yeah, sure, anyway, yeah. 
Andrew Feinstein, who 30-plus members of his family died in the Holocaust, he was an MP, you know, I imagine one of a, a few white MPs in the ANC in South Africa. He was the first MP who passed a bill commemorating the Holocaust in the South African Parliament, and a long-time campaigner against racism, against apartheid, and supporter of Jeremy Corbyn, points out that it's kind of incomprehensible why it's acceptable for Margaret Hodge to be a Labour MP when she profited from the iniquitous system of apartheid in South Africa while claiming to be against racism. Andrew Feinstein is someone who knows his shit about South Africa, and I would highly suggest people check out an article on the website the Daily Maverick called Dame Margaret Hodge MP, a very British apartheid profiteer, which uh, does what it says on the tin and spells out Margaret Hodge's dubious connections with that despicable regime in the past. So yeah, this is the kind of person who's elevated. You know, someone who, as Barnaby Rain pointed out on Newsnight, was uh, praised by the BNP for adopting their housing policies. Incidentally, when Hodge ran against the BNP, the MP who was most active in coming out to canvas for her and against the BNP was one Jeremy Corbyn. But this is the kind of figure who is elevated as the great bastion of anti-racism in this debate. It's pretty vile. Yeah, yeah, it is ridiculous and it's kind of disgraceful what a pass she gets for her own history, really. And I would recommend, not something I do often, <laughs> I would recommend you look up the Stephen Pollard article yes! that he wrote for the Mighty Daily Express. Fantastic uh, which, uh, piece. <laughs> despite what I said earlier, <laughs> literally two minutes ago on this recording, <laughs> critical support on that. I, I mean, I'm sure he was writing it for some dodgy motive to try and hammer Labour. Yeah, it, was, it would have been like when... Election coming up. It, it was when she it but... was when she was criticizing tax avoidance in Poland. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. it. So his motives, his motives, or his editors' motives were, were probably not in any way good. But yeah. it, is a, it is a good and succinct summation of. Margaret Hodges' career up to that point. Which well, is also, quite, quite and it, sho- it shows what a dishonest piece of shit he is that he wrote that piece, and then nowadays he's like, Margaret Hodge, my hero. <laughs> a couple of years, he, he'd have been like, that Hodge, he's a fucking communist, you know? <laughs> well, the consistent through line with him in particular is hammering the left. Yeah. He's written mainly for very hard right tabloids at times when they were alternating the truth about Princess Diana and hardline anti-immigrant stuff on the front pages every single day. They created a, a toxic atmosphere for British Muslims, a toxic atmosphere for Eastern European immigrants in the mid to late noughties. There's been cartoons going around today from slightly before that, might have been slightly before Pollard's time, about some of the cartoons they've had attacking like the loony left in the 80s through to the early 90s, where it's just flat out homophobia. It's like, if you're on the left, you are AIDS man and stuff like this. This is what these papers represent. This is the milieu developed in. And this is what he does. He punches left, he punches left angrily and with no real thought of the consequences. You see that in terms of one of his his favourite journalists to use, Mr Lee Harpin, Mm -hmm. and how many of the large number of recent IPSO um, (laughs) judgments they've had against them, mainly for harassing and making false claims about Muslims. Most of them have Lee Harpin's byline on them in any other profession or probably journalism in a lot of other countries, even where journalism has a great number of problems, you would get sacked from your job if you were that nominally bad at it. If I kept fucking people over in my job, I would be sacked, even if some of the people were dicks, which doesn't seem to be the case here. It's not 
acceptable and this is within a system as well the ipso which is the industry self-regulating itself and is designed that you have to really 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 fuck up to have a single judgment against you yeah if you as a single journalist are getting loads of these (laughs) every year (laughs) potentially contributing obviously the fucking coronavirus didn't help but potentially (laughs) contributing to the severe financial difficulty that the jewish chronicle was in just a few months ago that it just had to be taken over by a lot of shall we say hard right people yeah we shall say that i think (laughs) at least one person has described themselves on the record and their friends as a proud Islamophobe. Was that the guy who did the panorama documentary? I'm actually going to check this specific quote there because he does like to sue. <laughs> I want to get factually accurate. He does talk about how he's mates with sex pest Nick Cohen. Are you uh, talking about the man who made the greatest anti-racist campaigning documentary of, of our lifetime? Yeah, sorry, the, the, the exact <laughs> quote for the, the great filmmaker, the great filmmaker of our time, Mr. John Ware, is he responded to claims that he was in the vanguard of Islamophobia in this country with we've all come to the view independently that potentially politics and Islam is an incendiary mix. (laughs) The friends he's talking about were Martin Bright, then at the New Statesman, Melanie Phillips, then of the Daily Mail. And Anders Brevik's manifesto. (laughs) Yeah. Quite extensively. Nick Cohen of lurking outside the toilets in your local pub of uh, of, of a future serial killer manifesto coming soon to a young labor event near you of one day he will face the consequences of his fucking actions nick cohen fame and the times writer to a tory mp michael gove so who was given a big one to starmer like you have no credibility on racism because you because of jeremy corbyn being readmitted to the party yeah. if anyone has credibility on racism it's, it's michael gove yeah the, the man who said of us he said radicalized <laughs> david cameron into an extreme anti-muslim position i don't know why i didn't think to say this when we were recording but i've just got to say that whenever the tories come for keir starmer now and they say you're not doing enough to combat anti-semitism in your party why did you campaign to make jeremy corbyn prime minister blah 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 i have to say yeah good point why if you think he's so fucking bad of course they lack any kind of moral high ground but nonetheless every time they chuck this argument at labor in future i'm just going to be like yeah You've made your bed. I've noticed that there's been a slight change in the tone of the response to Corbyn's suspension today from leading figures on the left. Not from everyone, unfortunately, but, for example, whereas John McDonnell and Diane Abbott, especially John McDonnell, have both in the past mm-hmm. appealed to a very limp notion of unity with people who have no intention of uniting with us in their statements on this matter... This time they both put out statements that invoked unity, but acknowledged that the actions of the leadership reflect that they are not interested in it, which is a a welcome change. Len McCluskey, meanwhile, wrote a thread saying, I am astonished at the decision to withdraw the PLP whip from Jeremy Corbyn. This is a vindictive and vengeful action very well put, which despoils party democracy and due process alike and amounts to overruling the unanimous decision of the NEC panel yesterday to readmit him in the party. His action gives rise to double jeopardy in the handling of the case and shows marked bad faith. The unity of the Labour Party around the need to implement the EHRC recommendations in full is being recklessly undermined. The continued persecution of Jeremy Corbyn, he concludes, 
a politician who inspired millions by a leadership capitulating to external pressure on party procedures, risks destroying the unity and integrity of the party. I urge Keir Starmer, in the strongest terms, to pull back from the brink. And I think I've read that Unite have withdrawn about £40,000 from the Labour Party already this year, so... Yeah, there's been a, a, a fairly substantial change already from, from union funding, and obviously there's the implied threat with that that they could do a lot more damage as well. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Dave Ward, the head of the CWU, says the most shocking thing about Starmer's refusal to reinstate the whip to Jeremy Corbyn is that it yet again deflects from the serious issues of the day. Millions face redundancy, hundreds are dying every day, and the government gets away with it. But Starmer wants a civil war. Incidentally, I've spoken to someone who's working at the CWU and they're explicitly pushing a harder line in opposition to mm-hmm. the Jeremy Corbyn suspension. The yep. unions are getting particularly aggressive and that in turn seems to be finally riling up some members of the PLP to take a slightly more confrontational stance. For example, there were MPs who signed the Socialist Campaign Group statement in support of Jeremy Corbyn today who had not signed the previous one. Yeah, there's more numbers on it. It makes those who are on it stand out even more, I think. But it's encouraging that the numbers are up. It's encouraging that the rhetoric's been better. And what I do like is quite an understated thing is while all this has been going on, while people have been sticking up for him a bit more, as I think they should have from the start, to be honest, we also have Jeremy Corbyn himself, Logging on to Twitter, just drawing attention to all sorts of causes, domestic and international, that he thinks we should, just doing yeah, his thing, you know? Doing his thing, yeah, because he has an unparalleled yeah. level of civic duty that yeah. most members of the Parliamentary Labour Party would not recognise if it fucking slapped them in the face. Like, these people yeah. do not know what it means to be a serious politician. What they deride as student politics is real politics. Not not our fucking podcast, but yeah. what they Outcomes say. Uh, improve people's lives. Who cares about Colombian trade? Like, that Raphael Bear quote. Oh, shoes aren't Ra- shaped like feet. What an idiot. No, I mean that, that fucking Raphael Bear quote about how Corbyn cares more about Colombian trade unionists. He's deleted that at some point, by than, the way. He's than the European Union. What a bad take that is. But, probably yeah. fucking Coca-Cola out there hiring fucking paramilitaries to fucking shoot the colombian trade unionists you absolute cunts it, it just these people bottles aren't shaped like mouths so you know you kind of get two sides of it these people are so relentlessly awful and chauvinistic and fucking plain evil man fuck them fuck them yeah. shoes are shaped like feet and it's disgusting that you say that no i'm just kidding it's jack cancelled <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really hope that we will see a change in tone. I'll say now to Owen Jones, I'll put my disagreements aside with you. <laughs> Forgive and forget. If you just do a, an hour on your show defending Jeremy Corbyn on your YouTube channel that fucking however many people watch, like, please. <laughs> I literally am on my uh, knees uh, begging Owen Jones to do that. Navarro uh, had been quite Other good. Patreons are available. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, Navarra, fair play, they've covered it, even if I feel they did kind of cover it initially, drop it a bit. Now they're back on it and doing a lot of good work. However, you know, let's leave aside, you know, at least Owen Jones has come out and condemned it, you know? At least John McDonnell, other people who I've, I've said have been weak in their responses, yeah. have come out and said that it's plain wrong. 
what about the sort of people who describe themselves as non-factional? Do you really think that this is a policy of unity from Kia? I mean, I take, again, I'm citing Owen Jones's book, but not criticising it here, <laughs> just using it as a source. But Andy MacDonald, the Labour MP, is quoted in that book talking about how disgusting the treatment of Corbyn was, the relentless barracking, the verbal abuse reigned on him in PLP meetings. Said it was, He said it was like nothing he'd ever seen before, that it shook him to the core. How can he work for Starmer while he continues this disgusting campaign of personal vilification? That's yeah, very strange. Yeah. What speaks of unity? Surely, if you're the kind of person who you're just a loyal person who supports the leader and doesn't wreck, then like, how can you not see that the precedent for that has been destroyed over the last few years? Now supporting the leader entails entirely discrediting the last one. Finally, we are seeing some people, for example, Thelma Walker, a former Labour MP yeah. who is not on the hard left, just someone who's no. a decent human being who thus gravitated to work with the left, towards the hard yeah. left. Yeah. She tweeted earlier in response to the former Labour MP David Drew, who was a left winger who unfortunately lost his seat at the last election because of the Green Party's disgusting wrecking campaign headed by the fucking just 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 risible melt Molly uh, Molly Scott Cato who, who's uh, honestly look yeah. it's the constituency of, of Strood but because she put her fucking name as Molly Strood I thought that was her surname for ages I thought Molly Strood and Molly Scott Cato were two different people why would you do <laughs> why would Anyway, David Drew is simply called David Drew Forstrude, not David Strood. So there's not going to be any confusion there. That's how you do social media, you fucking green. Yeah, I'm not going to be joining the Green Party if I leave Labour. <laughs> um, no, fucking Green Party of England and Wales, man. Absolute bunch of liberal shit. tossers, man. Yeah, the Scottish one's a bit better, but even... Yeah. I, I still wouldn't join them because of the Green Party. David, <laughs> they, David... Are, they are technically separate parties. and like, I don't care, man. It's the name. For me, it's a, it's a tarnished brand for me. I, I won't go near any any Green Party. Any I, I... Jill Stein, Susan Sarandon... You, Susan Sarandon! You Only Green Trump. Party that I respect for the record most of the Green Party of Scotland and the mighty Plymouth Argyle they are the good Green Parties all the others are bad I would like to say yeah uh, for actually I, I in retrospect do support the Green Party of America in their run against Hillary Clinton in 2016 um, yeah. Susan Sarandon is a, is a hero of the left anyway David Drew tweeted earlier the PLP is not fit for purpose it is totally undemocratic and unrepresentative of the wider labour movement he then echoes the comments for Andy McDonald who is now serving under Starmer made in Owen Jones's book Labour MPs used it as a vehicle for self-aggrandizement and personal attacks on those they didn't agree with and weekly meetings often had a horrible atmosphere. Then Thelma Walker, who we mentioned, she agreed with him and said, Agree, David. I was there too and witnessed the toxic atmosphere every Monday evening. My stomach used to turn over before I went in the room. The same people would leave the meeting and report to journalists waiting in the corridor. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> not long after posting that... About half past nine, yeah. So about two hours ago at the time of recording... 
Thelma Walker announced, Tonight I attended my branch meeting and resigned my membership of the Labour Party. It was a privilege to serve as Labour MP for Colne Valley, to be PPS to John McDonnell and to work with Jeremy Corbyn as Labour leader. I will continue to work for the many, not the few. So that's very yeah. pointed there. She's making it clear which side of this divide she's on. And that's this, kind of... This, yeah, I mean, we've seen Starmer almost try and clear out the centre of the party, if you like, force people to pick a side. And yeah. people are doing that that he probably wasn't expecting oh yeah um, i saw one member of the quote-unquote soft left saying please could we get pr so that we can split and i'm just like okay so you're saying that you would be on the fucking in a party with the iraq war apologists and the assorted hard right scum in the labor party rather than the socialists okay thank you for putting that out in the open let's would, always call the soft left the soft right now only one of those gets you hired in the new statesman to be fair so you can understand <laughs> the logic behind it yeah 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 of course i'm not even saying the stance she's taking of explicitly leaving the party is what everyone <coughs> needs to do but this level of revulsion at the intolerance to dissent from the left shown towards this leadership should be the reaction of quote-unquote non-factional people of quote-unquote soft left people i've said before the soft left used to be john trickett i think it's quite telling i think it's quite telling that john trickett these days is on the hard left because the soft left a few years ago is hard left now. That's how far things have moved in this horrific direction. I've been waiting for all these years. This is why I don't give the soft left the time of day anymore. Because I've just been waiting for at some point since, you know, probably Margaret Hodge's verbal attack on Jeremy Corbyn in 2018, for them to say, look, this has gone far enough, okay? Like, yes, there's an anti-Semitism problem in the Labour Party, but it does not define the party. It is not the defining feature of our vast membership. And Jeremy Corbyn, I don't think this personally, but you may believe he has a blind spot on anti-Semitism. To believe he is a virulent anti-Semite personally, look... For me, you have to just totally make these conspiratorial contortions to believe it. I'm Such a reach, isn't it? And I was just waiting for them to say, can we just take the tenor of debate down a little bit? Because for me, that's a soft left position. Yeah. It's not soft left to believe, you know, because somebody is a relatively temperate Palestine activist that they're an anti-Semite. Mm. I was just waiting for them all to say, yeah, Okay, the mural thing was dodgy, but that is not evidence of a genocidal worldview. It's a, a fucking boomer moment where he didn't recognise the tropes in something. And that is the worst they have on him. That is the single worst thing. So I was just thinking, okay, so maybe 1% of the evidence that Corbyn even has a blind spot on this stuff actually holds up. But I guess what they have is the thing, oh, the party was institutionally racist, which of course doesn't square with the contention that you need to relentlessly persecute Corbyn to sort it out. But nevertheless, I was going to be like, okay, when the report comes out, maybe they'll go, all right, we got it wrong. The leadership weren't trying to protect anti-Semites in the party. They weren't deliberately running a lax system to no benefit for themselves. But they never did. They never did. It's just constant escalation, constant yeah. upping of the extremity. Do they just push themselves into a more and more reactionary position? And, you know, I understand because they've invested so much in it. They can't back out at this point. Yeah. I think some of the soft left types want ultimately to be the left of the Labour Party. Yeah. Both in terms of how they're then framed in the future and in terms of what they think they'll still be able to push for without being tainted by association. 
I think that is a complete misreading of how power works within the Labour Party traditionally mm. and within the wider UK political ecosystem. And particularly, I think they've got, given how many of them seem to be aspiring journalists, they've got, they've got a complete <laughs> blind spot in how the press works and they are going to get absolutely fucked up both from the ruthless right of the party, the Luke Akers types who wakes up burning with anger because he's had a nightmare where Compass got an extra couple of candidates selected in 2003. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah. the rest of the soft left at that point. As soon as any purge of the left or exodus of the left because they've all been driven to quit is pretty much successful and a few steps further along than it is now. A lot of these people are 100% going to turn on, right, what's the most left-wing faction that's in any way relevant now within the party? Mm. Oh, right, it's you. You are now completely beyond the pale. It's your turn. And we're going to brief stories to fucking journalists about you if you so much as are the secretary at your CLP or have a junior job for a local MP. You are the new loony left and you should really look up where these fucking stories came from and how they were weaponized against issues like gay rights, against immigration, against any sort of black and minority ethnic issues in that period and used as the culture wars before we had that term in this country. You're the enemy to them, just as we are. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like Ed Miliband managed to stop the right bitching and moaning about him. And he's ostensibly, well, as a leader, he was certainly to the right of how today's soft left present themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they claim, oh, Ed's actually to the left of Corbyn. But I mean, well, this is complete bollocks. He was a right wing failure of a leader. I mean, let's, I think, let's be I real. I think Ed was more of a coward than a natural right winger. I think he caved time and time again to the right. And that, in practice, made him come across significantly to the right of where he kind of seems like he would have wanted to be just before or after he was leader. But But nonetheless, when he gave the right what they wanted, say, uh, controls on immigration mug, they still fucking went and slagged him off and said, oh, you know, Labour weren't addressing the issue of migrants scrambling over the backs of lorries to get in the country, quote Liz Kendall 2015. Or to quote Liz Kendall again, when Ed Miliband had the bravery not to give the Labour right what they want, such as his whipping the PLP to recognise Palestine as a state. Liz Kendall again came out in 2015 was like, oh, that was outrageous, that was ridiculous. So I think your point is right. There's never been a leader other than Tony Blair, who the Labour, who the hardline Blairite Labour right won't try and bring down. And they've been very happy with Starmer so far, but that's clearly just because he's been petrified of them and, and of doing anything that goes off script. So we can see the party made a decision, he instantly had to interfere in the disciplinary process to overrule it. Yeah, the, the Miliband comparison works in the sense that Miliband kept caving to right-wing advisors, right-wing MPs and grandees within his party. It didn't help him. It yeah. didn't make them actually like him so much as just made them more confident they could do the same next time. So they would never support him when he was embattled at any stage. And their suggestions for how he should present himself in the media, how Labour should run its campaigns, the lines he should take, the stunts he should do. Historic backfires. People will remember the Ed Stone long after they remember most of his specific policy attempts, good and bad. They will remember, hell yes, I'm tuss enough, tuss enough. They will remember... 
these strikes are wrong while negotiations are still ongoing, repeated a thousand times in the five-minute interview. And the people that were advising him on this have come out of it smelling of roses somehow. Oh, it's, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, the fundamental thing is Jeremy Corbyn suspended from a Labour Party. Just think about that for a second. I mean, just literally, just fuck you. Jeremy Corbyn is the fucking Labour Party. I mean, how dare these fucking people? Literally, for the last couple of weeks, I have been allowed to be a Labour member, and Jeremy Corbyn has not. I mean, I should have straight up resigned my membership for that, because I do not want to be a, mem- a part of a party that would have me, someone who has contributed fuck all to the left, to the Labour movement, quite frankly, but would not have Jeremy Corbyn, a person who for five years took unparalleled smears and abuse and vilification and harassment every fucking day in conditions like no other leader of the Labour Party, no other member of the Labour Party has ever had to contend with. Ed Miliband and Gordon Brown and Neil Kinnock, who were all treated like a sliver of shit by the media, cannot relate. They do not have an understanding of what Jeremy Corbyn has been put through. What happened to them is in a different world. It is a walk in the fucking park. I was saying this about Matt Pound as well, who's now working for the leader's office, and you can get all these things where he's talking about other posh trots working for Corbyn in Lotto, as if he, as if his piss easy little fucking DOS job can ever compare to the kind of shit that, say, James Schneider or uh, Laura Murray, who was very unfairly maligned, mm. had to go through. What a tosser. Uh, and those two people are actually posh as well, and they still <laughs> they still <laughs> had a mu- had a much worse fucking time than any of these little, you know, that little, like, beardy, guitar-toting labour first. Only I'm allowed to have beards and guitars, okay? I bet his harmonica sounds awful. But, I mean, it is just outrageous that Corbyn could be denied a role in the party that he became a human shield for for the last few years. He had the membership of the party taken away because he rebuked the idea that Labour members were a vicious mob that consists... The majority of consists of baying, vitriolic, virulent, genocidal anti-Semites. That was what he was saying. The scale of the problem was overstated. When I see somebody saying that, not in fact Corbyn, that Owen Jones helped turn the Labour Party into the number one vector of racism since Oswald Mosley... I think well, if, if you're going to reopen Auschwitz, you know you will you will get that tag. That, well, precisely. Daily Express Muslim basher Gabriel Milland and Enoch Powell yeah. hagiographer Simon Heffer are of course uh, anti-racist to their core uh, and, and, and should be listened to as authorities on this, just like John Ware. Did you know? Did you know Gabriel Milland from something like March until May, and then not any longer was advising the UK government on their media strategy to do with coronavirus. Uh, well, that just shows the, the, the testament to this man's communicative ability. Yeah, yeah, this is a man that knows what he's doing. But Corbyn, not only the last five years has he functioned as, like I say, a human shield for all of us. The ultimate indignity of his suspension from the party he led for five years coming as he continues to defend the Labour membership that 
his regard mm-hmm. for leads him to heartbreakingly describe this awful corrupt party as a wonderful institution full of wonderful people yeah. that was what jeremy corbyn got kicked for for sticking up for you and i i can't make that point enough starmer is lower than the low he is just a risible figure Tony Blair, yeah, he accepted the dominant narratives of Thatcherism. But unfortunately, John Major had dropped the ball. He, Well, unfortunately for the Tories, he didn't know how to convey those narratives anymore. Blair was a leader. Starmer accepts the dominant narratives of the Conservative governments of the last 10 years. And he does not even lead. He is not even a decisive figure. He's not setting the agenda in this country. He is purely driving people who want to actually change the very makeup of our society rather than just tinker around the edges out of the party. I honestly cannot think of a figure I see as more risible. Blair was a better leader. Kinnock had more credibility as a left winger built up in his time prior to becoming a leader. Despicable. Despicable figure. Yeah, there's there's no argument with that, is there, really? <laughs> God damn it, I just... Ugh. I just I wanted to get in there. <laughs> Spend Jeremy Corbyn from the Labour Party. Get fuck you. Fuck. Jeremy Corbyn is the fucking Labour Party. I wanted to get that in. <laughs> that's my that's my line, you know. That's what that's seriously what I'm saying. Like if this party doesn't have Jer- Jeremy Corbyn in and it's not worth being in. It is just a joke of a party. It is a scab party that betrays those who've given the most to it. What are the redeeming features of Starmerism? Fuck all. Fuck. When they lead in the polls, I cry. He's got a funny <laughs> voice. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. We, we I saw need someone... more of those with my gapes gone, you know? Yeah, I saw someone saying, you'll be crying when 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 your wrecking gets the Tories in huge majority at the next election. I was like, yeah, no, no. I'll, yeah I'll, be, I'll be so sad. <laughs> We were, we were crying when your wrecking gave the Tories the last election, mate. And the one before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's especially the one before that. Especially Let's be real. the one before that, yeah. <laughs> Between the non-existent vow of silence from the PLP and the embryonic Remain campaign of the old Blair cabinet and the wrecking of Labour HQ, 2017 was pretty decisively robbed from the Labour Party, I think. Plus the fact it happened nine months after 80% of the PLP had tried to get rid of Corbyn. Anyway, uh, I, I we only plan to go on for about an hour, so I I, I believe Garine has to get up early. Yeah, um, yeah, the hated work. That's they don't. That's literally to the second on an hour. You said that, by the way. That's some fucking timing skills. Incredible. I'm just getting to be such a pro. You know, it's like we were a really slick operation. The Observer said so. Yeah. Thank you, Gar- Gabby Hinsliff. Almost called her Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so just one more time suspend jeremy corbyn from the labor party fuck you jeremy corbyn is the labor party yes (laughs) we're gonna turn that into a stadium sing-along for next oh jeremy corbyn (laughs) to be precise (laughs) yeah yeah right cheers for listening to our our, our update on the political situation people were you gonna say something they were right no. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, stay, I'm still awake. That's that's a triumph at this point. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah. Um... Rock and roll. I'm dead. Who's lost the right to see his children? 
But still I have my friends Like the Tony Blair Institute And the Brussels bureaucrats I'm a two-time guest on the Remaniacs I am a melt I am a Tory I'm a cop And I've taken down your details Cause you just said I was too right wing You just said that we were right too right wing I am a subscriber to New Statesman magazine And my favorite jolly and jolly and green I am a melt I am a Tory Don't talk of jazz And especially Diane Abbott Not that I'm racist or anything I'm really scared of Brexit, but there's one thing I fear more When the hard left folks come knocking at my door I am a melt, I am a Tory And a melt always melts And Corbyn supports ISIS It's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing